Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we begin a new series, Mood Changers. In this series, we'll take a close look at our feelings and the impact they have on our lives. Lead Pastor David Fossil gives us an overview of this series as he points out that our feelings matter to us, and he encourages us to talk about our feelings while being careful as we deal with them. Listen as Pastor Dave walks us through a cheer-up checkup and gives us some reasons to be of good cheer so that the joy of the Lord in our lives spills over on those around us. Do you guys remember when you started getting the little faces on the text messages? You remember that? You know, people start text messaging you, and then all of a sudden these little faces start showing up. You're like, what is going on here? And, and then I then I start thinking, this is pretty cool. And I was like, I want this, but I had no idea how to do it. So I went to one of my kids, to Jess. I was like, how do I get, how do I get this stuff on my phone? And I don't want the fireworks or the birthday cakes. I don't want the pictures of cats or nothing, but I do want the little faces. How do I do that? So she hooked me up and, and then I was like, okay, now I got these. Uh, who's going to be my first test market? Right? So I figured the first person that should get one of these should be Sandy. So I'm like, hey girl, what's going on? I sent her one of these, right? What's going on? Now there you realize you can't, you know, for guy friends, it's got to be a little different, right? So like, for example, to my good friend, Terrence, sitting right up here, I'll send him something like this, send him something like this. What's going on? Hey, yeah, what's going on? Unfortunately, when I sent him that, he sent me this. It made me feel very awkward. Not appropriate. <laughs> okay, so let's put the, so, you know, here's what's interesting about these emoticons, right? Um, when you have these on your phone, you don't even have to use words anymore. Have you noticed that? I don't even have to use words. All I could do is just find a face, bam, send them that. Done. Right? The, the, the thing about emoticons is that they don't, they're not intended to convey what you think. They're intended to convey how you feel. They're intended to convey how you feel. Right? And, and, and so th- that's, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next five weeks, six weeks. We're starting this brand new series called Mood Swingers. And we're going to talk about feelings, nothing more than feelings. That's what we're talking about for five, six weeks. Now, I want to tell you why we're doing it. There's three primary reasons why we're going to talk about feelings this morning. Let me show you. Let's put it up on the screen. Number one is that feelings matter to me. And they should matter to you. Okay? Don't ignore your feelings. Um, I, now, I, I'm starting here because I promise you, I guarantee you, there are some people here today... And they're thinking to themselves, feelings? That's what we're going to talk about for five, six weeks? Sure seems a little uh, Bible light to me. Can't we, I mean, can't we talk about something with substance, something with meat? You know, like the Trinity or discipleship or the second coming of Christ. Why, why can't we? Feelings? That's what we're going to talk about? And some of us have minimized the significance and importance of feelings in our lives. And we got to get reconnected with how we're feeling in some respects. Do, do you know why you have feelings? You See, you have feelings. Man and woman are, are, are the only created beings made in the image of God. We, more than anyone else, are closer to God in terms of reflecting Him than anyone else. Do you know why you have feelings? You have feelings because you are made in the image of God and God has feelings. When you read the, the, the Bible, you see he sometimes feels very upset and angry when we do things we ought not. Sometimes he's incredibly joyful. Sometimes he's sad. God has feelings and he wanted us to have feelings as well. He didn't want you to be a robot. 
Feelings are important to discuss and talk about because they matter to us. And, and for sure, they matter to others. They really do. Let me ask you this question. Um, does it matter to you if tomorrow morning when you go to work, does it matter to you if your boss is in a good mood or a bad mood? Does that matter to you? How about if you go home, your spouse, good mood, bad mood, parents, good mood, bad mood. You, you, you go your coworkers, good mood, bad mood, your, your classmates, good mood, bad mood, your teacher, good mood, bad mood. You come to church, the pastor, good mood, bad. Does that matter? Of course it matters. Why does it matter? It matters because if you go to work tomorrow and your boss is in a bad mood, it influences that entire atmosphere and it rubs off on you. We rub off on each other. That's why my mood, your mood, our feelings matter because we impact each other. It matters to me, my feelings. It matters to others. I promise you how you feel matters to God. That's why we're talking about it. But, but another reason we're, we're in this series is because uh, uh, you can, and I just added it at the last minute in your notes and on the slide, it, you can and you should control your feelings. You know, and, and, and we're going to talk, these are kind of our overarching principles for the series. Uh, and we're going to talk more about this. Uh, one of the things we've got to change is how we talk about our feelings. It's a problem. It, a lot of us talk like this. They made me angry. They put me in a bad mood. And I hear people say that and I go, what? Are you a goldfish? Someone took you and put you in the bad mood bowl or something? I realize point number one, you and I influence one another, but don't ever give someone the power to control your feelings and emotions so they can influence you. Yes. Change your language. Change the way you speak about your very own feelings. Here's how you say it. I got angry. I am in a bad mood. The minute you take ownership for it, ownership for it, you now realize that you can control and train your emotion. See, that's the whole point of what we're talking about. We're, we're going to be looking at verses where, where the Bible says, and God says to you, there are certain moods, feelings I want you to have. And there are certain moods, feelings, and emotions I don't want you to have. And the whole point is not God giving suggestions, but God giving commands about how you should literally feel. So your feelings can be controlled and your feelings and emotions can be changed. So we're going to talk about that every week. We're going to look at a different mood, a different feeling and emotion and what to do and how to either eliminate it or how to enhance it. Okay. The the last one, and we'll spend more time on this one in the upcoming weeks. I've told you, you have to pay attention to your feelings, your, your, your moods, your emotions. But likewise, point number three, you have to be very, very careful with them. Because your feelings will deceive you if you're not careful. Your feelings will lie to you. This is what the Bible says, and it says it kind of over and over and over again. The writer of Proverbs says this. Let's look at it. In Proverbs chapter 28, it says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. That's strong language, don't you think? We are being foolish if we trust our heart. Why? Well, the the, the prophet Jeremiah says this. The heart... Now, in all fairness... When the Bible talks about the heart, especially when the Old Testament talks about the heart, it's not just talking about our feelings. It's supposed to be the control center of everything you are. It controls how you think. It controls what you decide. And it controls your feelings. It's the control center of who you are. But it certainly includes your feelings. 
If you trust your feelings, the writer of Proverbs says, we're being foolish. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. You cannot trust your feelings. If you are a pilot and you're small, you're flying a, tw- a tw- twin engine plane and you're in the middle of a storm and the winds bat you back and forth, you can't trust your instincts. You can't trust your feelings. You have to trust the instrument panel and what it tells you to do. And likewise, in your life, you've got to be very careful with your feelings. Incredibly careful. Don't ever, don't ever um, uh, buy into the mood that you can't control it. Okay? And never, ever go to the nth degree of trusting it. You've got to be very careful. Don't make big decisions based upon emotions. Be careful. Uh, don't use your emotions. Be careful to find the will of God. Well, why are you doing that? Well, God wants me to do that. Why? I just feel that way. Very dangerous. Don't use your emotions to control other people and manipulate them. You know, and I know we can do that. We can handcuff people just by the mood that we put on. And we control the situation. Don't do that. Don't trust your feelings to determine how much God loves you or how pleased he is with you. It's very, very dangerous. Now, that's kind of the introduction to what we're doing, why we're doing it, why it's significant and important. Today, if you look at your study guide, what we're gonna, the, the mood we're going to talk about, we're going to have a cheer up checkup. A cheer up checkup. We're going to talk about joy and happiness and why it matters and what you need to do to get it. Okay? So just to kind of, just to start us off, a couple of verses. This might be the, our goal verse. Okay? In the book of First Kings, verse tw- chapter 21, here's what we read. Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat and cheer up! Cheer up! Turn to the person next to you and say, it's cheer up time. Go ahead, do it right now. It's cheer up time. God brought some of you to church today to say, cheer up! Cheer up! Now, some of you are are looking at this verse going, yeah, and I know how to do it. It says, get up and eat. I I, I think I'm going to have another donut. Now, I'm not your nutritionist. I'm your pastor. But let's just for a second address it. You do know that what you put in your body does affect you. So be smart. Be smart because healthy food tends to breed healthy habits and breed healthy emotions. But, you know, that, that's taking this verse a little to the nth degree. Before I show you the next verse, real quick question. How many of you are newlyweds? Last one or two years, you're kind of newlyweds. Oh, no, good man, newlywed. What? <laughs> newlywed? Who's newlywed? I saw a couple right, right here. Yeah. Newlyweds right there. Newlyweds. Anyone else? Newlywed. Okay. This verse is for you. Check it out. Let's put it up there. Deuteronomy 24. Now, this is from the King James, a little old language. When a man has taken a new wife, newlywed, he shall not go to war. No government responsibilities. Neither shall he be charged with any business. No work responsibilities. Instead, he shall be free to go home for one entire year to cheer up his wife, which he has taken. Isn't that awesome? Huh? Now, be honest, some of you wives would be like, after two weeks, please go back to work. (laughs) But part of our job as spouses is to create joy, the joy of the Lord in our families. We're going to talk about that. That's important. It's not just to feed your kids. It's not just to educate your kids. It's not just to make sure they grow up to be successful, productive citizens, and they even make up that they should experience the joy of the Lord. You should have that in your families. Now, here, here, frankly is our is our 
overarching verse for where I'm going to land and, and take us into Scripture. It's the words of Jesus. And in, in the Gospel of John, here's what we read. Chapter 15, Jesus says to his disciples and to you as followers this morning, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Not just filled with my doctrine. Not just filled with my forgiveness. Not just filled with my truth. Filled with my joy. He's talking about your feelings. He's talking about your mood. Yes, so that your joy will overflow. You should have so much joy of the Lord in you that you can't contain it. It spills over. I want you to tell, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to spill on you. Go ahead, do that. You guys are talking to each Go ahead, do that, Terrence, right now. I'm going to spill on you. When you go to school tomorrow, when you go to your home, when you go to work, the joy of the Lord should be spilling over onto other people. If it doesn't, what are we doing? We're just playing games. If the truth of Christ hasn't impacted your emotions, you're just playing games. It should spill over on people. People should look at you and go, there's something different about them. I can't figure it out, but there's something different. That's part of who we are to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're taking notes, there, I, I added this slide right at the last minute because some of you who don't fill out all, the, all your blanks go crazy on me. And so I put it up on the screen. Let's put it up on the screen. A couple things is I just want to make sure you get. There's nothing righteous about a gloomy, despondent, pessimistic attitude. You know that, right? Nothing righteous, nothing holy, nothing pure, nothing godly about a gloomy, despondent, pessimistic attitude. Nothing. I don't know how some of us bought into this idea that if you're godly, you got to be serious. Where, where, did you, where did we get that? Where did we get that? Now, uh, the Bible doesn't say you have to pretend you don't have any problems. That doesn't say that at all. We're going to talk about sadness and discouragement in a couple weeks. It's very real for, for some of us as we go through stages of life. But generally speaking, for you to be a person that is constantly gloomy, despondent, pessimistic, not cool, not godly, not righteous. In fact, you want to know, do you want to know how God feels about it? I got an emoticon to show you how he feels about it. Go ahead, put it up there. Does that make sense to you? Huh? God is not pleased with those emotions. He is not pleased with those emotions. I don't know how we got this. I think part of it is our perception of Jesus and who he was what he stood for, and even how he carried himself with the disciples and with others. I think we think he was serious. One of, I, and I've shared with this, this with some of you before. One of my favorite images, drawings of Jesus is called the laughing Jesus. And it looks like this. Let's put it up there. And I like that because it conveys an image of Christ. I mean, I grew up going to church, like as many of you did. I never saw a picture like Jesus on the flanograph look like that. Did you? No, he was always serious and he was somber and he was doing the work of the Lord. Right? We don't ever see him or imagine him, you know, having a good time with the disciples and joking around with them while they're walking. And, and I think part of the reason is we have failed to understand what Palestinian humor was. Every culture has different kinds of humor, different styles of humor. Like, for example, we know, uh, you know, that the British, their humor is very, very dry. Right. So I, I used to use that by way of illustration that there's different kinds of humor. Palestinian humor at the time of Jesus was very unique and they, too, had a style. And one of the things that made them laugh was what just exaggeration, exaggeration. And, and now when you finally understand that 
And now you begin to look at the stories of Jesus. The Bible calls them parables. You begin to see how much exaggeration is in there. For example, when Jesus is teaching and he says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, he's, he's exaggerating for two reasons. One, he's trying to make a point. And the point is be very, very careful with wealth and with money because if you're not careful, it can distract you from God. That's the point. But as he's teaching, he's using the tool of humor to make a point. And when he says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, everybody sitting in the crowd is busting their butts off going, this Jesus is a funny guy. We don't see it, but when you start to read the Gospels like that, you realize he was probably a lot more like that than you and I ever realize. More than you and I ever realize. You know, one of the things that... um, that we've got to finally understand. And you see, it's point number two there. I, I honestly believe that God's word teaches, I believe to the core of my being, that Christians should be the happiest people on earth. Based upon what we know, based upon what we've experienced, based upon the gift that God has given us, we should be the happiest people on earth. And unfortunately, that's not always true. In fact, for some of us, it's the complete opposite. We're the grumpiest people at work. We're the grumpiest people at school. I don't know where this came from. We should be the happiest people on earth. Part of our goal in life should be to allow the joy of the Lord to spill out and to spill over onto other people. I consider it one of my jobs in my home to bring the joy of the Lord into my home. That's mine of my job, not just to feed Julia and Jessica and Joshua. Now Julia is the one home. My, 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 my goal is to try and bring a smile to her face. Some of you saw it on Facebook. Sandy posted it. This last weekend, my, my soccer team, the girls are, are, are playing a tournament. In fact, right now they're playing the semifinal. If they win, I'll be there this afternoon. But, uh, but it's a Halloween tournament. And so every team is encouraged to, to dress up. And so all these different teams are dressing up. My girls dressed up as Dalmatians, right? I, their coach, dressed up as Cruella DeVille. Check it out. Put it up there. There I am right there. All day yesterday, walking through Concord, wearing a dress. I, I don't know if it makes you feel awkward to see your pastor wearing a dress, but I got to tell you, I could, I could go for that. I, I just tell you this, a lot easier to go to the bathroom wearing a dress. I'm like, this is pretty good. I, we are not harder with belts and everything. Why did I do that? It's not just my personality. It really isn't. Because part of my job as a dad that happens to be a Christian is to bring joy to my daughter. Part of my responsibility as a coach that happens to be a Christian is to try to bring the joy of the Lord to those 13 girls. Part of my job as a pastor is not just to teach you the word of God. I, one of my goals is for us to be one of the most fun churches to go to. What's the option? What's the alternative? Oh, we want to be one of the saddest most serious churches in the Bay Area. I don't, I never got that. Now, it's not our number one goal. Hey, just had to go to Bay Hills. No, it doesn't mean you avoid talking about sin. You know that we do that. We never shy away from, you know, every once in a while, I as your pastor will thump you upside the head with the God's word. Some of you who are Baptists grew up needing a good spiritual spanking. I did too. You enjoy that. So I give you a spiritual spanking with God's word. That's fine to do that. But you could still do it with joy. You could still do it with a smile. I, one of my favorite stories, it happened about seven years ago. 
I love it when you're coming to me going, oh, I keep inviting my friend or my coworker and they haven't been here yet. One day, someone came to me and said, today, today my coworker's coming to church. I am so excited, right? So I said, let me know how that goes, right? You know, that's, that's fun for me to hear. And uh, so her friend, her coworker, came from a very, very conservative church background. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because that's my goal is not to disparage any group or anything, but it's very, very conservative. And so she came to Bay Hills uh, one Sunday, and and then I asked her, how, how did it go? She goes, it was, it didn't go good. I go, well, what do you mean it didn't go? I go, she said, well, after service, you know, we went out to eat, and I asked my friend, so what, what did you think? Are you going to come back to Bay Hills? She goes, absolutely not. <laughs> well, why? And she goes, there's way too much laughter going on at Bay Hills. And I thought, yes, that's awesome. Tell her we don't want her. Tell her to go to some other church. <laughs> Why? I want us to be a church that can be serious about God and serious about, about uh, who he wants us to be and Christ, but not take ourselves that seriously and, and enjoy life. This is a big deal. And it should be a big deal to you. Here's what I'm going to try and do. You say, okay, I, I got it, Dave. I, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have the joy of the Lord in me. You got me, but I don't, I don't feel it right now. So what do I do? He, here's how I'm going to try and land this plane. I'm going to try and give you some very specific things to do. It's based upon a Greek word. Let me show you what it is. It happens only four or five times in, in the New Testament, always spoken by, by Christ. It's the Greek word tharseo. Just five, six times in the entire New Testament. And the definition for this word, it's defined several ways. It means I, I am of good courage. It means to be warm-hearted. It, it means to be of good cheer. The, the, the new NIV translated, be of good ch- courage or keep persevering. The, the King James will translate it like the last one in, in, in English, be of good cheer. So I want to challenge you today, be of good cheer. You, you need, how did I phrase that? You need a cheer-up checkup. And I'm going to give you some ideas of how to do this, Right? How to walk out of here and have the joy of the Lord spill over onto other people. Because if it's not coming out of you, they may, they may never experience it. Okay? It's, I'm going to base it upon this word. And, and, and the few times that it's used, what does it teach us about how to be of good cheer? See where I'm going with this? So, a couple of verses. The first one happens in Matthew chapter 9. Let's put it on the screen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Here's what we read. Then, behold, they brought to Jesus a paralytic. Lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Tharseo. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So here's the situation. Earlier in the chapter, we're told that Jesus is going back to his home area, his hometown area. So he, he's going home, and by now they, they've heard that Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, this carpenter, he is now, I, he may be the Messiah. Oh my goodness, he's the Messiah. And he has the power of God working in and through him. He's even healing people. So in this particular case, they hear he's coming back into town. And so a bunch of, a bunch of guys... Go and get a friend. This happened a lot when you read the gospel. So there's like six guys that went to this one guy from, from with high school. This guy was a paralytic. He'd never walked a day in his life. He'd never paid a game of tag or hopscotch, never paid a basketball game. Anytime he had to go anywhere, his buddies or his dad would have to carry him. No wheelchairs that were functioning in those days. He, that's what happened to him. So when Jesus is coming to town, his six high school buddies run to his house. They grab him for his living room. He's like, what's going on? We're going to see Jesus. Quick. 
Now, if you know anything about Jesus at this point in time in his ministry, crowds followed him everywhere. So it was a long shot that maybe, maybe they would come face to face with Christ. But somehow or another, they do. And they are elbowing and they are getting through the crowd to finally they bring their friend, their paralytic friend, who's never walked a day in his life to Jesus. I want you to imagine and think what the paralytic was thinking. As his friends are carrying him to Jesus, I would imagine he's thinking, could it be true? Could this be the day? Medical science had absolutely no cure for what he was going through. But he'd heard the stories as well. Could, could this be the day that I get to walk? And oh my goodness, he comes face to face and Jesus begins to address him. And it starts really good. Jesus says to the paralytic, Tharsail, be of good cheer. I got something that's going to make you happy. What is he thinking right now? I'm going to get to walk. I'm here it comes, here it comes. And then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Asta. And he leaves. What? That's it? I don't get, I don't get healing? What do you mean? That's it? That's all I get? Now, later on in the chapter, later on in the story, Jesus is going to heal him. But it doesn't happen for a while, which is very interesting. For the moment, let's stop right here. Let's, because nevertheless, Jesus still says to him, Tharsail, be of good cheer. I think Jesus is trying to teach him, the scribes that were listening, and us something. You see, way too many of us base our happiness and our joy, we base it upon our physical health. Like this dude. I'm not feeling well. I'm not doing well. I don't have to be happy. I don't have to have the joy of the Lord. Right? So, unless my physical uh, health, or, or unless I'm physically successful or healthy, I'm not going to be happy. Unless I'm, my career is successful, I'm not going to be happy. Unless my finances are successful, I'm not going to be happy. Unless my relationships are successful, I'm not going to be happy. Unless my favorite sports teams aren't doing well, are successful, I'm not going to be happy. Raiders aren't doing well, Niners aren't doing well, I'm not going to be happy. You guys know I'm a Cubs fan. I've been talking about it for a month. How do you think I handled this last week? Other than crying myself to sleep every night, do you really think that the Cubs being out of the playoffs is going to change me that much, my mood? I'm not saying it's all right to go. It kind of sucks. But are we going to stay there? Are we? Really? See, the kind of person that thinks that life has to be going good in these different areas, and then I'll be happy, then I'll be joyful does not understand what Christ is saying here. He says, Tharsail, be of good cheer, because in spite of your finances, and in spite of your sports teams, and in spite of your family, and in spite of your career, your sins are forgiven. See, now, that was an amen moment. Right there, did you catch it? Just went right on by. In spite of your sports teams, in spite of your career, in spite of your family, in spite of your finances, you've been forgiven. Oh no, it's too late. I am not happy. First service did a lot better, so pick it up. I, I kid you not. Put everything to the side. 
Point number one. Why should I have the joy of the Lord? Because I've been forgiven. The cross gains me access to God. One of the biggest mistakes that church people make is we minimize how awful sin is. Check this out. It's so bad that the creator of the universe, the perfect, holy creator of the universe, could only come up with one solution to try and redeem you and justify you and bring atonement to you. That's only one thing. And the only thing he could come up with is his perfect, holy son to die on a cross for you. That is how awful your sin and my sin is. But because of the cross, you and I have been forgiven if you embrace Jesus. So I'm going to concede to you that yes, sometimes life is a little sucky. But you've been forgiven. And if you just focus on what's going on with you right now, you may not have the joy of the Lord in you. But if you look and spend time reflecting on eternity and reflecting on your spiritual condition, it should fill you with the joy of the Lord. Do you guys understand that? Let's keep moving on. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 is the next time this verse is used. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. He's speaking to to the disciples saying, Tharseo, there it is again. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Let me give you the context. Jesus says to his disciples, he's spending some ministry time with them. He says, okay, I'm going to go off by myself. I'm going to pray. You guys go off, do whatever you want. Half of them were fishermen. So he's like, well, let's go fishing. So they go fishing, and in the middle of their fishing time, they hit a storm. I mean, it's a whopper of the storm. They're out in the middle of the lake, and they're getting their boats going back and forth. They think they're going to sink. They think they're going to die. And it, it, it can't get much worse than that. Except this, Matthew 14, is the story where Jesus is walking on water. So not only do they think their boat's going under, not only do they think they're going to die, they look out into the water, and now they think they see a ghost. Then it gets worse. The ghost starts talking to them. And the first thing he says is, Hey, be of good cheer. What? I said, be of good cheer. They're like freaking out. And then Jesus says, time out. It's me. Be of good cheer. It's it's me. You, You don't have to be afraid. It's me. And when he says you don't have to be afraid, he's not talking just about himself. He's talking... He's talking about the storm. You don't have to be afraid of the storm. I'm here. Now, just two very, very quick points on this. Number one, let me just acknowledge the obvious. You're going to go through storms. I don't want to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be realistic. You're going to go through a storm a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, ten years from now. Some of it will be small storms. And at some point in time, you're going to go through a massive storm, a major, major bummer of a storm in your family, in your finances, in your career. So at some point in time, you're at some point you will go to the doctor and say, I do not have good news for you. It's coming. You have to be ready for that. Just get ready. Right. It's coming. Right now, let me just little tangent, little pastor tangent right now. I I never do this at the moment, but right now I'm going to help you. When you're in the middle of the storm, every once in a while, I'll hear someone say, I can't believe God did this. Now, some people are a little bit more theologically astute and they'll say, I can't believe God allowed this. And so what they're basically going is, well, he's in control. He's all powerful. He loves me. But somehow or another, he allowed this. Come on. 
And some people even allow this thinking to go away from God. Well, if he would allow this, what kind of God is he? Why would I want to follow him? Now, I'm telling you now, before you get into the storm, if you say anything close to that, not cool, bad theology. Bad theology. Let me help you understand. You you know why there's storms, right? Let, Let me help you understand this. Watch. He obeys God. He obeys God. He obeys God. She obeys God. I disobey God. I cause a storm and it rains on all of us. See how that works? See how that works? Now, even if they obey, the reason there are storms in our life is actually because God has allowed something good. He's allowed you and he's allowed me to make a choice. The choice to obey, the choice not to obey. The choice to follow, the choice not to follow. The choice to do church, the choice not to do church. You have a choice. Do you want him to twist your arm and turn you into a robot? No one wants that. See, part of the reason there are storms is, is because there's people around you that have choices. Moreover, and this is the one that drives me crazy, it, I, and I, don't, I bite my tongue, but when anyone ever says something to the effect, I, I, why wouldn't he do anything about this? Now, I, I get what they're saying, and I know they're talking with their heart. You know, something happens to a family, and it's just a horrendous situation, and they're good people, and I, I know the emotional response to that. But why wouldn't God do anything about that? I want to grab them and go, that's the whole point of the Bible. The whole point of the Bible, the whole point of Jesus is so that he would come to do something about the storms, to deal with the sin in this world. That's the whole point of Jesus. So to, for, to say, why wouldn't he do something about it? It's kind of a, a little slap upside the head to, to God. He gave Jesus. Now, granted, he may not take care of all the little storms. He's trying to take care of the big storm called eternity and separation from God. So just understand what we're saying. Now, is it fun to go through a storm? No. But understand what is happening from a biblical theological perspective. God could step in, yes, but the minute he steps in, well, why this storm and not that storm? And if he turns one person and forces them to obey, now he's got to force everyone to obey. It's just, you can't go there. So just understand, and it gets complex, but understand how storms work. Point number one. Point number two, no matter what storm you're going through, and I think this is where I want to land here, no matter what storm you're going through right now, here's why you can have the joy of the Lord. Because I'm never alone. I'm never alone. Jesus comes beside you and goes, Oh, be of good cheer, Tharsail. I'm here. I'm right here. Yet sometimes he fixes the storm. Sometimes he doesn't fix the storm, but he gives you energy and power and strength to go through the storm. Sometimes he gives you encouragement. Sometimes he gives you hope. Sometimes he brings something good out of it. Sometimes he refines your soul and makes you more Christ-like. But he says, I'm here. I'm right here with you. I'm not going to leave you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm right there, right with you, right to the end. I'm going to go through every storm you go through. Do you guys remember this? kind of shows my age a little bit. Do you, do you remember Rockwell? This song, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Remember that? When I come home at night, I bolt the door real tight. People call me on the phone I'm trying to avoid. Well... Can the people on TV say, see me, or am I just paranoid? When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. 
because I might open my eyes and find someone standing there. Now that's freaky. People say I'm crazy, just a little touched, but maybe showers remind me of psycho too much. I always feel like somebody's watching me. I always feel like somebody's watching me. And I have no privacy. (gasps) (laughs) Do you know why you feel like somebody's watching you? Because there is! That's the whole point! And it's Jesus! Not only is He watching you, He's right there with you everywhere you go. Why can you have the joy of the Lord? Because you're never alone. I will never, ever leave you. And I will never forsake you. John chapter 16 is the next one. Let's go on. John 16 says this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus speaking to us. You may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's Jesus saying what we just said. You're going to have some storms. But just get ready. Buy an umbrella. You're going to have some storms. Right? In this world you have some tribulation. But in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your tribulation... Tharsel, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, one of my favorite technologies, right? They just had the anniversary of Back to the Future and everything. Everyone was having fun with that. One of my favorite technologies, TV technologies, is the DVR. I love the DVR. Do you remember back in the days when you had to put the cassette tape VHS in? I could never figure that out, you know, I never get the clock right and everything. And you'd have the time you wouldn't get what you wanted or whatever, right? And it would crumble. I love DVR. You could just boom, tape that and tape that and then fast forward through the commercial. I love it, especially with sports. Right? I love my sports, right? And and a lot of times my schedule doesn't allow me to watch the games live. So I'll tape it, right? And then I'll at dinner time I'll watch it, right? One small problem. Many of you or my friends outside, you know who my favorite teams are. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch Warriors tonight. It's going to be so fun. So I'll start watching it like I'm, a, I'm an hour and a half behind. I'm in the first quarter. And oh, my goodness, we're getting our butts kicked and watch it. And then all of a sudden, someone will text me. Oh, what an awesome game. Steph Curry wins it at the, at the buzzer. And I'm like, no, no. And your pastor gets very angry. And we're talking about anger in a couple of weeks. Right? So now, now when I'm watching, I don't even pick up my phone. You say, well, what if it's an emergency? I don't care. I want to watch my game. I'm going to watch my game. Then I'll get to the call in a little bit. Right? It's not the end of the world. But you know, here's what's it. And this has happened a couple of times, right? With soccer teams and baseball teams and basketball teams. Right? So after I get that text, right? And now I know the outcome. It's very interesting what happens to me emotionally. I'm not as nervous anymore. I'm not as stressed anymore. In fact, check this out. That in me you may have, what does it say there? Peace. Don't need to stress. We're down 20 to the Clippers in the second quarter. Steph Curry's going to win it in the fourth quarter. No big deal. You want to know why you should be filled with the joy of the Lord? You want to know that even though it's in the second quarter and you're down by three touchdowns, you should have the joy of the Lord. You want to know why even while you're in the dumps and things aren't going the way they should be, you should have the joy of the Lord. Don't forget who your quarterback is. Don't forget Jesus is running your life. And most importantly, in the point of what he says, don't forget that Jesus and his team wins in the end. 
That's the whole point of the last 20 pages in this. In the end, Jesus' team, and if you're in Jesus' team, you're included, wins. We win. So why should I have the joy of the Lord? Because I'm on the winning team. Yeah, I, I know I get it. I get it right now. In the game of life, it may not be going great. But in the end, you win. You win. The last verse I want to look at real quick and wrap it up. Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23 is the first time that Jesus uses this, this word, but he, he's actually speaking from heaven. He's not on earth at the time. Very interesting. Acts 23. He's speaking to Paul. But the following night, the Lord, uh, the Lord stood by Paul and he said, Tharseo, be of good cheer. Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must bear witness at Rome. Now here's the situation. Paul comes to Christ, he gives his his life over to the Lord, and he decides, you know, I want to share the gospel. So he starts sharing the gospel message with people in Jerusalem. Then he goes, I want to share the gospel with people in Rome and the Gentiles in Rome. And so he gets all his frequent flyer miles and he gets started heading over to Rome. And then he ends up in a dungeon in prison. And, And in chapter 23, he's kind of in the dumps. You ever been there? I had this really good plan and I, I wanted to do something good and helpful. And now I feel like I'm in a dungeon. I feel worthless. I feel helpless. I, I had this plan for my life and then I screwed up. I mean, I really, I did some things, Pastor. I, can't, I don't even want to tell you. I'm, I'm embarrassed what I did. God, God can't use me. I mean, I'm glad I'm saved and all, but... Pfft. What is he going to do with me? You know why you can be filled with the joy of the Lord? You, you might be in a dungeon the same way Paul was in a dungeon. But this is, this is Jesus saying to Paul, this is Jesus saying to you, be of good cheer. Because I still have a plan for your life. I still have a purpose for your life. Your life matters to God. I don't care where you're at, where you've been. If you are giving your life to Christ, God still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for you. He still can use you. And that's good news. That's why you should be filled with the joy of the Lord. Filled with the joy of the Lord. Now, I want to wrap up real quick. I need Dave's help, Dave Sauer. So he's going to come up on stage just while he's coming. Now, let's get that last verse up there real quick. And uh, this is where we started. Okay. This is where we start. Let's get this all right here. And I'm going to explain to you what's going on. Go ahead. Yep. He's serious. He's somber. Okay. So watch real quickly. Okay. This represents you. Okay. This represents you. This represents God and what he wants to pour into you. He wants to give you the joy of the Lord. So he gives you a little joy of the Lord. Now, you're quite not overflowing yet, right? You should be overflowing. You should be spilling over. But you're filled with the joy of the Lord. Right. The problem is, is that your life and my life doesn't always look like this. What happens is we have life affect us and impact us. I got some food coloring here. This is going to represent all the garbage that happens in our life. All the family issues and the finance issues, all the issues at work, all the issues when our body starts falling apart, all the bad things that happen to us we wish didn't happen to us. That's this. Right. So every one of us has it. Right. Every single one of us gets some of this at some point in time. So what happens is that, hey, we're happy. We're joyful in the Lord. But then what happens? So we have a couple things happen to us. Right. 
And, and, and before you know it, you know, things were going good. You know, I liked my life. You know, I had the joy of the Lord. But now, well, now I'm feeling a little blue. I'm waiting all week for that one right there. Thank you. Huh? So I get you, Pastor. I, I, I know, I know what I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But can, it's just us, right? That's how I'm feeling. I mean, I know you don't have time after service to listen to all my crap, but it's not good right now. It's not good. What, what, what do I do with this? Do I fake it? Nope. Don't fake it. That's never what he asks you to do. See, I skipped over, I skipped over this verse real quickly at the beginning. You didn't catch it, right? You're supposed to be filled with the joy, right? You're supposed to have the joy of the Lord that overflows. But watch how the beginning of the verse starts. I have told you these things so that you may have the, well, well, what, what things? What, what did he say? John chapter 15 is one of the most significant and important passages because this is the passage where Christ says to us, his followers, you want that? You want to be successful spiritually? You need to remain in me. You need to focus on me. You need to be filled with me. You need to obey me. You need to prioritize me. The minute you prioritize you instead of me, well, this is what you're going to get. So if you want to change this, you, you can't get rid of this. Your family issues aren't going away. Your health issues are not going away. Our financial issues may never go away. You can't get rid of them, but you can change the consistency of what's going on here. You can't control what goes on outside of you, but you can control what goes on inside of you. So you go to the beginning of John chapter 15. If you want to be filled with the joy of the Lord, if you want the joy of the Lord to be over overflowing what you need to do is the beginning of john 15 you need more of jesus you need to remain in him you need to obey him you need to live for him you need to make his priority more important than your priority and before you realize it life looks different life looks different how many people need a little more of jesus this is what you need you can't get rid of your problems but you can get more Jesus inside of you. Okay? You got it? Let's stand. Let's get out of here. Heavenly Father, the first thing we want to do is just confess to you. We haven't always had the joy of the Lord. And for whatever the reason, it's some, some of us can't even figure out why we haven't had that. But this was helpful for so many of us, Father. So many of us to remember what you've given us. How you've saved us how you're with us, reminded us that um, in many cases, your gospel message to some extent is contingent on my mood. But why would anyone at work or at school, why would they even want to consider Christ if I'm grumpy? Father, remind me that I have the joy of the Lord available to me if I will just access it. Father, in the midst of of the trials, the tribulations, and the storms that we're going through, we're going to make a choice. We're going to make a choice to allow the joy of the Lord to spill over onto other people. Father, help us control our moods. Help us be careful not to trust them completely. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you're concerned not just about what we do and how what we think, but also how we feel. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Have a great week. Bye-bye.
It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.